Hello and welcome to the First Prez Mommy podcast, the show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Jason Armstrong speaks about Genesis 32, verses 22 to 30. Jacob wrestles with God, and through his struggle is transformed. Let's hear today's message. But this morning I was sitting there looking out my window and there were runners going by the church. I'm not sure what, what race was going on. Okay, so there was, a, <laughs> there was a marathon going on past the church this morning, if you were, weren't aware, or maybe it's still going on, I don't know. But it, just by chance, my opening kind of statement this morning had to correlate with that, and that statement was, no pain, no gain. We all know that statement, I think. And most of the time, it's, it's around exercise. You know, the idea that when we get to the point where, we, where we're pushing to be uncomfortable in that discomfort zone, that's when the transformation happens. Maybe you're lifting weights for the one more time or you're going on that treadmill for the extra mile or you're doing that extra push-up or you're riding that stationary bike a little bit longer than you did the day before. But when we push into that zone of discomfort and pain, that's when our bodies are transformed it's also when our mental, and, uh, mental state is transformed, too, as we know the benefits of exercise. However, as I've gotten older, I'm starting to have more pains and less gains. Can anybody <laughs> s- confirm that with me? All right. I think that's, that's good. So I've started to think about that, that phrase in a little different way now that I've had this life experience where my back hurts if I stand too long and things like that. Rather than reference to physical exercise alone, if you apply it to life, it talks about the struggles and failures of life, I think. I often say and believe I've learned the most and been transformed the most as a person through my failures and through my struggles in life, more so than than my successes. I think some people would probably agree with that. Because failures and struggles, they often serve to humble us and educate us, right? They cause us to rely on others, to forget and realize that our strength, our cunning, our determination, our knowledge or skill, it's not always enough. And in our story this morning, we find Jacob alone in the night. We'll see illustrated in that moment how God literally comes and wrestles and struggles with him in his time of anxiety and lament, that time of darkness. And we'll see through God's wrestling with Jacob, we'll see transformation happens. When God wrestles with you, transformation is the result. And we'll have an opportunity to ask ourselves, as we look back on our lives and reflect on our relationship with God, when has God transformed us through struggle and through wrestling? So, we come into our story this morning. Jacob's alone and he is very upset. It says he's very afraid in verse 7 of chapter 32. He fears his older brother, who he's going to be seen soon, will kill him when they next meet. 
The two of them, they, they haven't met in 20 years, and Jacob is afraid that Esau will fulfill the threat he made 20 years ago. In response to two things Jacob did to Esau. First, Jacob persuaded Esau to, to give him or sell him his birthright because he was really hungry one night and he had some food to offer Esau. And a birthright was an honor given to the firstborn. It's the head of household status. It's the right to inherit the father's estate. It normally goes to the, the oldest son. And in that culture, the birthright, the son who had that, he got double portion of the inheritance. And second, Jacob tricked their father Isaac, along with Jacob and his mother, tricked their father Isaac into giving Jacob Esau's blessing as the one who should have had the birthright. While Isaac could have blessed each of his sons, a greater blessing was given to the one who held that birthright. Such blessings acted as a last will and testament. They were highly prized as revealing God's will for that person's life and what was going to happen in the future. So as his birthright and his blessing had both been taken from him by Jacob, Esau says this in Genesis 27. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given. He said to himself, this is at the end of Isaac's life, the day of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother, my brother Jacob. So we, we move ahead 20 years now. They haven't seen each other since then. We move into chapter 32. And early in the chapter, Jacob, which I suppose makes sense out of his fear, he, he looks to uh, subsoothe his brother. He sends his messengers ahead to, to Esau and he sends him gifts of livestock. He tells his, his servants as they encounter Esau to make sure that you, re, you refer to me, Jacob, as Esau's servant effectively making Jake, or Esau Jacob's master. Acknowledging this deception he placed on his brother to gain his birthright and his blessing. So the messengers go to Esau. They, they do what they bring the gifts and they talk to Esau and, and say they're from, they're from his servant Jacob. And then they come back to Jacob and report what happened. And Esau, the messengers tell Jacob, Esau is coming and Esau's bringing 400 of his best friends with him. <laughs> Sounds like a threat to me, you know? So Jacob, in his fear and despair, Jacob does two things. He makes a plan and he prays. First, he makes a plan. He takes his, all his possessions and his family and his servants. He divides them into two groups and he sends one over there and one over there because he figures when the 400 men show up and if they attack only half of my tribe, so to speak, will be killed. Hopefully the other half will survive. And Jacob prays. He prays this in Genesis 32, 11. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. And then he sends his wives, his children, his servants across the fort of the Jabbok, and now he is in fear and despair, and he is alone in the dark. So where does Jacob now, now find hope? 
Is he fully trusting and believing in God's promises? If you know something about Jacob's story in chapter 28, he encounters angels and God in a dream. That God promises to continue that covenant he made with his grandfather Abraham and Isaac. And he will give his descendants land and they will prosper greatly. And all the people on earth will be blessed through their family. That God promises with this uh, statement to Jacob, this promise to Jacob at the end of this interaction in Genesis 28, 15. God says, I am with you, Jacob. And I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, the land that he's now in. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. The promise. And Jacob, even in verse 12, if you go back, he remembers this prayer. But does has he completely given himself to God in faith? Does he fully believe that God will be with him and watch over him and fulfill the promises that he's made? Seems the answer to this is no. He does not. Instead, J- Jacob has done what is natural for him. He hedges his bets, so to speak. He makes a plan for success in case God's promises fail. While we sit with Jacob in this pivotal moment in Scripture in his life in the nation of Israel, my guess is we can relate to Jacob in his mindset in this faith crisis. When have you been in a similar position? When have you found yourself in the darkness? Figuratively or literally, maybe. Maybe your brother wasn't after you to kill you for the birthright and blessing, but nonetheless, you find yourself in a place of struggle, in crisis, a difficult situation in your life, a difficult situation in someone you care about life, care about life. And through all your strength and planning and cunning, you get to the point where you realize you had done all you can, and now this situation is out of your control. And you're like Jacob, alone, and you simply are afraid. Afraid of harm, afraid of failure, afraid of what's coming next. And doubting that God's and God's promises are eternal. That God's and God's promises will sustain you. Sustain you. That they are secure. The psalmist communicates these types of human moments. There's many places in scripture that this takes place. But this, I picked this one particular spot. Because this describes us. We have these moments. In Psalm 6, 2 through 3, the the psalmist writes, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones, my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? How long till you save me? In these moments of fear and doubt and anxiety, lament, these are moments where our faith is being tested. But God shows up in that struggle. God will wrestle with you exactly like he does with Jacob. 
So in the midst of Jacob's fear and doubt and anxiety, he's alone in, in text, and the next thing happens, it says in Genesis 32, 25. In that moment, Jacob is left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So hypothetically, who was this man that Jacob was wrestling in the dark? The scripture clearly says it was a man in the Hebrew language. Did he think it was one of Esau's men coming to attack him? Do you think maybe it was Esau himself? While we could never be certain of what that encounter, what he was thinking, it's not in the scriptures, it's plain that this was a man. But in the wrestling with this man, Jacob, at some point, he begins to understand that he, has, he is wrestling with God, wrestling with the divine. In fact, Hosea 12, 3 through 4 communicates this. In the womb he grasped, Jacob grasped his brother's heel, Esau. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. And when this awareness comes over Jacob of who he is indeed wrestling, who's wrestling him, after he strikes Jacob's hip and dislocates that socket, God says, let me go, for it is daybreak. Now Jacob, who has to be exhausted from wrestling all night, if any of you ever wrestled in your life, you know after a minute you're exhausted, right? But wrestling all night in the dirt with this person that he now understands is the divine now he's exhausted, he's got an injured hip, he's in pain. He does something interesting, I think. I think often it would have been natural to just let go and say, I'm done. I'm, I just, I'm tired, I'm hurt, I don't want anymore. But instead, he realizes, he realizes in his loss, because he was going to lose now that his hip was struck, he has won. In that moment, in his loss, he has won because now he has lost the dependence on himself. He's lost that dependence on his own strength and his own cunning and planning. And he can let go of all that which will fail him. The fear, the anxiety, the lamenting. Instead, now he knows he needs to hold on to what is sure, to what is eternal. And he keeps a firm hold on God. Genesis 32, 26. In that moment, Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because God wrestled with Jacob, now Jacob's faith is strengthened and he knows the promises of safety and success, the promises of the covenant that he's made to his father and grandfather. They are real. They will be kept. They are secure. And God responds by changing Jacob's name. He's told that his name will be Israel, which means God prevails or God fights. And Jacob indeed is completing that journey that started a few generations ago. He now is in that land promised. He sees God's covenantal promises are true, are sure. And out of this moment, out of this transformation, Israel will arise out of his 12 sons, the nation of Israel. So in that moment, there was transformation that happened. Transformation that is irrevocable and ordained by God. One, Jacob's faith was changed. It was transformed. 
two, God, through that, made the promise real for Jacob. The nation of Israel would be formed and ordained by God. So as we complete Jacob's story this morning, let's take a moment to consider our own stories. As I mentioned earlier, we all have faced or are facing those moments where we're alone in the darkness. In our fear and anxiety, we, we hedge our bets. We say, we say the prayers that we know we should say, but we continue to not completely place our faith in God and make other plans just in case. God's promises do not come true. And in these moments, this is where God comes and wrestles with us. He wrestles with us, with us in our faith, and this wrestling ultimately brings about transformation. We become aware and dependent on God rather than ourselves and our, our situation, our strength, our planning. And as an example, I wanted to share my story with you all this morning. So about 16, 17 years ago, I found myself in a tough spot, in one of those moments where a number of life's problems have all come at once and are piling on, feeling overwhelmed. The sense of not being in control, because really, I wasn't. The sense of what will happen next, not being able to fix the problems before me. I couldn't fix them through my own strength, my own determination, my own planning, my own cunning. So I found myself alone in a basement one night. House I was fixing that was 100 years old. I'm down in the basement and I'm rehabbing this house hopefully to turn a profit. And I'm in that basement scraping the walls with a, a scraper and a brush. Gray paint was coming off the walls, those block walls. And as I began to scrape those bricks, all the weight and problems in my life began to flood over me, overwhelm me. So that house that I was rehabbing, you know, the idea was to make money. Of course, that was back when the housing market crashed. So the time of making money on that was gone. In return, I was looking for a job and was having no success in finding one. Of course, that home project, along with not being able to find a job, as you can imagine, lack of money was becoming a real problem, overwhelming. I had a young family at the time, including my youngest son, who was one. Now he's back there doing the tech, and he's almost 18. But I was not able to provide for my family as I should with my young children and wife. And in many ways, I put my wife in a tough situation with the house and lack of job, lack of resources. And to add to that pile, my father was diagnosed and was dying with cancer. With all these problems mounting in that basement, in that moment, scraping those walls, God came and wrestled with me. And I came to that point, like Jacob, where I realized my strength and determination meant nothing. I simply had to hold on to God. I knew the prayers and the promises of God. I I had said them, but I did not fully submit to them. Nor did I have the faith that God was secure in his promises in all my circumstances. But through God wrestling with me and holding on to me in that, that moment of blessing, my, my faith was transformed. 
And I did indeed become dependent on God's promises rather than my own strength. And in that transformation of my faith, also the, the road that God had laid out for me was a new one. It's important that we know our struggles and our faith. I'd like to ask you, who've been in that situation, who have wrestled with God, how has your faith been transformed through that struggle? And one of the reasons this is extremely important to consider is because you need to be able to share your story, share your faith, share where you find hope when you've been in that hopeless situation. If you've been with us on Wednesday evenings, that's one of the uh, high points of the night is when people come up and share their story, how Jesus has become the hero of their story. That's why we do that, so we can communicate that story to others. And let's remember our Lord Jesus Christ. He's fully man and fully God in that mystery. If you're going through struggle, if you're going in a moment of darkness and you are wrestling with God, know that Jesus Christ has experienced the same thing in his humanness. In that Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his, of his arrest that we've talked about, Jesus was deeply distressed and troubled in his humanness. He knew the arrest and trial and torture that was coming. Darkness. He was alone. Saying to his disciples in Mark 14, 34, my, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he fell to the ground in that sorrow and being overwhelmed and he prayed in Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. In that moment, God wrestled with Jesus and Jesus clung on to him amidst that struggle. And of course, indeed, we know the story. The transformation came out of that moment. For all people, all creation, all times, places seen and unseen, trans this transformation was complete and it was eternal through Jesus Christ. For we would all be saved through Christ's faith, obedience, death, and resurrection. So if you're in a moment of trial, if you're in a moment of darkness, remember Christ. Transformation will come. Let us pray. Lord, Lord, we are grateful that you are with us in our trials in our struggle, in our humanness. Lord, we pray that you enter into those, you come and you wrestle with us so that we are transformed. Our faith is sure in you. We can tell others about who you are, where we found hope in darkness. And we've continued to pray that through that transformation, just like Jacob long ago, show us the road that you want us to take through that, the new paths that come out of that transformation. So in all we do, all we say, everything about us glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.